Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. that there are two ways that can be taken in life. And maybe there's someone in this room that really needs to hear this theme, that there are two ways that can be taken in life. It's a theme that spans the entire Bible. Adam and Eve were confronted with two ways, the way of blessing through trust and obedience or the way of judgment through disobedience and idolatry. The Old Testament The people of Israel were confronted with uh, these two ways, the way of blessing through obedience and trust, or the way of judgment through disobedience and idolatry. The New Testament continues to announce that there are two ways, the way of blessing, which is narrow and found by few, Jesus says, or the way of judgment, which is broad and taken by many. In fact, all of biblical history is built around this theme of two ways and two men. We have the first Adam who failed in the Garden of Eden. And we have the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who prevailed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We have Cain who took the path of murder. And we have Abel who took the path of martyrdom. We have Ishmael, the son of Abraham, through disobedience. And we have Isaac, the son of Abraham, through God's promise. We have King Saul, appointed by human will. And we have King David, appointed by the will of God. Finally, all of biblical history is marked by an ongoing showdown between satanic counterfeits and antichrists and the Lord Jesus Christ, the only true conquering king of glory. Two ways, two men. There is a way, loved ones, that leads to blessing. And there is a way that leads to judgment. 
And today in confusing, chaotic, polarizing 2022, there are still two ways. And the question for us today and over the next three weeks is this, which way are we taking? Which path are we on? Which road are we traveling? There are only two ways. And that's why the title of this morning's message is this, the way of blessing. Look at Psalm chapter one. We're going to be spending our time in verses one and two. And those are the verses I'm going to read. And then with the Lord's help, expound for you. Psalm chapter one, starting from verse one says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I'm going to read it one more time. This is the word of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. If you're taking notes, I want you to start with this point. The way of blessing is marked by, you can make a note of this, a life that is set apart. A life that is set apart. Look at verse one again. It says, blessed is the man. Blessed, blessed, blessed. The blessed life. What does the blessed life look like? Who is the blessed man? Who is the blessed woman? He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let's understand a bit more. The word blessed. The word blessed means, in fact, happy. In the original, it means to be fulfilled or content and possessing the fullness of God. So many people are on a journey for happiness, aren't they? Blessed, blessed, blessed. In fact, this word blessed is the plural form here. So the verse can be read this way. Oh, the blessedness. Oh, the happiness. Oh, the contentment and oh, the fulfillment of the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In other words, someone can be read this way. You have no idea, the psalmist is saying essentially. You have no idea what you're missing. You have no idea. I'm about to tell you how to live the most full, happy, content life you could have ever imagined. And it's like the psalmist is saying now, are you listening now? Do, do I have your attention? Stop for a moment. Just consider your pursuits. You want to be happy, don't you? You want to know blessing, don't you? You want to experience contentment, don't you? It's what we're chasing so many days. The psalmist says there's a way, there's a way, there's a way that leads to blessedness. And there's also a way that leads to destruction and judgment. This is the theme of the entire psalm. This is what the psalm is all about. And we know that all over the world there are people searching for this, and maybe even in this room. 
On the screen for you is a picture. Years ago, you may remember hearing the tragic news that famous actor and comedian Robin Williams, that's him on the screen, he committed suicide. Tragic. On Monday, August 11th of 2014, at his home in California, Robin Williams uh, hung himself with a belt. Now, what's fascinating about this, what's even more tragic about this, what's uh, so intriguing to me about this is that Robin Williams spent his entire career uh, devoted to making millions and millions of people laugh. That his job, his career, his life was devoted to entertainment with impersonations and stand-up comedy and blockbuster movies. For years, his life was dedicated to making people smile. And what's so sad and tragic about this is that he could not make himself smile. He suffered from depression. He battled different drug addictions. He fought two divorces with two of his ex-wives, which created a huge financial burden for the superstar. Divorce settlements cost him tens of millions of dollars. According to one estimate, he had to sell his $29.9 million, 640-acre ranch in California, which he'd owned for more than 10 years. He seemed to have everything. You walked by his house, you'd say, man, that guy has everything. If you watch him on the stage and listen to him and watch his impersonation, you say, man, this guy must be so happy. But he was empty. And sadly, this is not an isolated incident. In fact, over the last two years during the isolation of the COVID pandemic, uh, suicides have been on the rise. People starving for blessedness, happiness, fulfillment. Something that they could grab onto. They can say, this gives me joy. This gives me happiness. Loved ones all over the world and all over our city. People are living like this. So desperate are people for true joy. And so many find it not through the empty pursuits of their lives. Psalm chapter one introduces the entire collection of the Psalms with the description of a life that is happy, not a life that is perfect, not a life that is free from suffering or sorrow, but a life that is happy, a life that is fulfilled, a life that is full and a life that is blessed. But before the Psalmist describes the life of blessing in the positive, I want to show you from the text how he describes the life of blessing first in the negative. So I want you to write this down. The blessed life, if you want it, if you're hungry for it, listen to this. The blessed life does not, make a note of this, pursue ungodly counsel. I want you to notice it right away in verse 1. He says, blessed is the man, watch this, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, C.A. Spurgeon points out that the word counsel refers to a way of thinking, a way of believing. He calls it a, a doctrine other than God's. 
The psalmist is saying, blessed is the one, the blessed life is the the life that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not pursue ungodly or wicked counsel. Spurgeon would say it this way, the blessed life is a life that is not being brainwashed by ungodly ideologies or ungodly doctrines or a way of believing. That word doctrine just refers to a belief. There's doctrine everywhere, loved ones. Not just in religion, but all over the world on billboards and advertisements and in stores everywhere. There's a doctrine being taught. How can this, loved ones, be more relevant and applicable for us today in 2022? Gone are the days of a Christian worldview in our schools in Canada. Gone are the days of a Christian worldview in our government. Gone are the days of a Christian worldview in the media. Instead, loved ones, every single day, we are offered and even force-fed a way of thinking, a way of believing, a doctrine that is other than God's. For example, when I was in public school in Scarborough, in the east end of Toronto in the 80s, My Christian immigrant parents rested well because on the first day of school, when I got there, they handed us all Bibles. And then when we got into our classrooms in public school in the 1980s, on the the speaker, we recited the Lord's Prayer together. And when Christmas time rolled around, we celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ with big celebrations. My parents rested well when they dropped me off at public school as immigrant parents. But Christian parents specifically, listen, we cannot rest in these days. Not just because Bibles aren't being handed out and the Lord's Prayer is not being prayed and the birth of Christ is not celebrated, absolutely, but because false beliefs and demonic ideologies are not only replacing the Christian worldview, but they are being aggressively taught. And not just in our schools, but through the government, through government policies, through media outlets, through corporate advertisements. Just go to the mall. And someone is trying to teach you. And someone's trying to pass on a wicked doctrine to you. It's the counsel of the wicked. Do you know what the blessed life is? It's a life that walks not in the counsel of the wicked. A life that identifies and avoids and never pursues ungodly counsel. Now, I want you to notice what the psalmist specifically calls it in the text. He calls it the counsel of the wicked. Do you see it in the text? Loved ones, the pain and the confusion and the emptiness and the frustration and the consequences that will be avoided when the church of Jesus Christ wakes up and refuses to walk in the counsel, in the beliefs, according to the doctrines of the wicked Are you awake, church? Are you awake, precious parents? Are you awake, husbands and wives? Are you awake, singles? Are you awake when you're on social media? Are you awake when you're watching TV? Are you awake when you're streaming YouTube? Are you awake when you go to the mall? Are you awake 
Because blessed is the man or woman, blessed, blessed, blessed. The happy life comes to the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. But my fear so often is that so many of us name the name of Christ, and yet we have been sleepy wandering through this life, and we have wholeheartedly embraced the doctrine of the wicked, the counsel of the wicked in different areas of our lives, and we're too sleepy to realize it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Secondly, blessed life does not pursue ungodly counsel. Secondly, the blessed life does not, watch this, partner with open sinners. Why don't you look at verse one again. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Watch this now. Nor stands in the way of sinners. The, The psalmist is putting forward, I believe, a progression here. To stand in the way of sinners signifies a stiff neck, a stubborn heart, a refusal to move, a conscious choice to stay in the path of sin. Again, I want you to notice the progression. I want you to see that there's an inevitable result of pursuing the counsel of people who hate God. The result is, the psalm is just showing us, a bonding together, a partnering together, a a coming together such that you're no longer walking a path You've necessarily stopped. Now you're standing in a stagnant position. You're more than considering it. You're getting in deep. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. You see the progression? You walk the path of ungodly counsel. It doesn't take very long before you stop there and begin to really consider what's being taught you on that path. The psalmist is illustrating that once you've started along the path of pursuing the counsel of the wicked, it does not take long at all before you are taken captive by that worldview, whatever it may be. And there are hundreds and hundreds of anti-Christian worldviews in the world today. That's what makes it so challenging. Not so historically in our nation, But there are hundreds of worldviews today. It makes it confusing for Christians, especially Christians that haven't learned to adapt and realize, hold on, this is not a Christian nation anymore. Or at least the trajectory seems like it's heading in that direction. Could this be true, loved ones? So many Christians today that you have fallen asleep and been taking the counsel of the wicked, being indoctrinated, not realizing it, not awake to it, and all of a sudden you're not only walking the path where there is ungodly counsel, but maybe for you today you have stopped and you're standing still. Is it true for someone today that you've now moved from taking counsel to partnership with open sinners? What are the things you're partnering with? What are the causes you're partnering with? What are the ideas that you love? What are the ideologies that you're embracing? What are the things that you want to propagate? What are the things that you're reaching out your hand saying, I'll hold your hand, I'll hold your hand. What are those things? Are you partnering with what is right and true? Or are you partnering with open sinners, even if just in your thought process? The blessed life, loved ones does not pursue ungodly counsel, does not partner with open sinners. Finally, the blessed life does not, write this down, participate in open rebellion. I want you to notice verse one again. He says, blessed is the man, here's the blessed life, 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, here it is, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. To sit in the seat speaks of a settled position. It refers to the placing of oneself seated as the student of a particular teacher sitting under the attitudes, the behaviors, and the ideas of those who hate God's way. That's what scoffers are marked by, a hatred of God's way. They are those who hate God's way, hate God's designs. They are those who mock God's way. They are those who run from God's way. So... The psalmist gives us some very profound and relevant and applicable instruction today. The Bible is not up here, theoretical, abstract. This is where the rubber meets the road. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly inevitably leads, the Bible says, to standing in the way of sinners, which always will lead to a seated position among those who mock God. Again, let me challenge you. Maybe you have found yourself there. Maybe you found yourself seated among those who mock God. That the ideas you're embracing, all of a sudden you're saying, that person embraces it too. Those people who hate God love what I love in this area. There's something wrong. You're probably seated. Excuse me, with open sinners and participating in open rebellion. Loved ones, this is how Christians begin to compromise on clear issues like the sanctity of life, for example. This is how fathers begin to abandon their God given roles to lead in the home and abandon their home altogether. This is how marriages begin to fall apart and dissolve. This is how children begin to rebel against their parents. This is how churches and denominations begin to drift drastically from their purpose and their mission. Sin is progressive, loved ones. It is slow and it is steady and it is subtle and it is deceiving. And that's why today we have numerous Christian denominations that are no longer Christian. You see, you say, how does that happen? You drive by a united church for example, you say, how did, I remember a few years ago meeting with some leaders in the United Church and we were talking through some things. We were talking about renting facilities and maybe the possibility of more permanent facilities with their building. And they, these older gentlemen looked at me, they said, I shared this before, but they said, how do you have all these young people coming to your church? And the truth of the matter is we're not doing anything fancy. There is a generation that wants truth. And there is power in the word of God. And, and when denominations abandon the word of God, when they abandon a Christian worldview, when they embrace and become enmeshed with the culture, it's not long. It just takes one generation, maybe quicker, for that generation, for that church to become apostate, that denomination, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere. That's why church buildings all over our city are being turned into condo lofts. You ever see that when you're downtown, you see a beautiful old church building. A be- I drive by those buildings. I say, man, I wish we had that. 
but it's turned into a condo loft because people, leaders, pastors, Christians fell asleep and they said, well, well, we don't need to take this too literally here. And they embraced the cultural ideologies and it destroys them. And it destroys their witness. And the book of Revelation tells us what Jesus does to churches like that. He takes their lampstand, he removes it from them. Loved ones, some of us may be here today. Somewhere along the line, you've found refuge or false security in the counsel of the ungodly. You stopped to stand in the way of sinners. And now today, if you're honest with yourself, you're seated fully among those who hate God and have chosen their own way. And you feel empty and broken inside. But there's a reason why we chose the name Hope Church for our church, because I want to tell you there is hope even for those who are in this room today who are seated with open sinners. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Watch this. And the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. The reason Jesus Christ came into the world was to come to save sinners, to save us from our own way. The reason Jesus Christ comes to you, maybe perhaps through this message in Psalm 1, is to say, I can save you. I can deliver you from your own way. I can rescue you from these ideologies that lead you only to judgment and destruction. And I can bring you on a path that is a path of rescue and blessedness and happiness. Oh, loved ones, the way of blessing is marked by a life that is set apart. We don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. We don't stand in the way of sinners. We don't sit in the seat of scoffers. The Christian who, the Christian who does not do those things is the Christian who finds the blessing and favor of God upon their life and the happiness that comes from being at peace with God. This is the life of blessing and happiness and fulfillment and joy. Perhaps today could be a day of turning and repentance. You will find the blessing and the peace of God waiting for you. The way of blessing is marked not only by a life that is set apart, but finally, and here's where we're going to wrap up. The way of blessing is marked by this. You can write this down. A heart that loves God's word. A heart that loves God's words. Right in the text. Let me show you first on the screen. James Montgomery Boyce wrote this. He wrote, the contrast between the two ways may be put like this. It's the difference between those who are in love with sin and those who love God. The first class loves sin's ways and follow it. The second love God and seek him in scripture where he may be found. Look at verse two. Blessed is the man, starting from verse 1, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Here it is, now watch this. But his delight, the blessed man, the blessed woman, what's their delight? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you want to know where true blessing is found? I know, I know the world is telling you where to find it. excuse me, do you want to know where true fulfillment is found? Do you want to know where true joy and contentment is found? It's found in truth. 
Now, there are even ideologies out there saying that there is no absolute truth. That's a lie. God's word is truth. And the only way you can experience the blessing and favor of God upon your life is to devote your life to what is true in truth. God's word, God's ways. And only as we align ourselves with God's good and righteous instructions will we know the way of blessing. So thank you. I want to leave you with just two reasons. Two reasons today, and I hope this will help you, to pursue and love God's word, especially as we move ahead into a a busy fall season as a church. Ready? The heart that loves God's word understands Number one, that God's ways are best, okay? God's ways are best. I remember a few years ago, a hot summer uh, night, our sweet little Abigail was younger than uh, six years old, and um, she had a favorite set of pajamas. And she had these woolly, fuzzy, cozy Christmas pajamas, and I think it's called a onesie. It's like, it's not pants and a top. It's like the whole thing is one thing. And it was, man, it was a hot day, hot night. And she pulls these out. Daddy, I want these. I said, sweetheart, these are cute, but, and you look cute in them, but, but you're going to be really hot. She says, no, daddy, daddy, I want, I want to wear these ones. These are my favorite ones. Sweetheart, I know they're your favorite, but you're going to be really hot. You're not going to be comfortable. Oh, daddy, please, please. I want to wear them. Okay, wear them. She puts on her warm pajamas. She zips them up. She gets in her bed. She's, and then probably two minutes, three minutes, four minutes later, tops. Daddy, I'm so hot. <laughs> daddy, I'm so hot. Daddy, come help me. Daddy, come. I'm so, she used to say this. She used to say, I'm so sweating. And I came to her and I said, what, what, did, what did I tell you, sweetheart? And I got her a different set of pajamas. You know what parenting does so often? It teaches us about ourselves. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, how this moment teaches me how I am with God. How this moment teaches me how on any given day, I really insist that my way is best. That I can read something in God's word. I can receive some counsel from Christian friends. And that deep in my heart, I can be tempted, really tempted to believe that my ways are best. Oh, loved ones. The reason the psalmist delights in the law of the Lord is because it's in the law of the Lord that he finds instruction and encouragement and warning and direction and hope for his life. And he knows that God's ways are best for him. That's why he delights in it and meditates on it day and night because if he wasn't convinced God's ways are best, he would do this. But on the law, he meditates on his instructions. He meditates day and night. Loved ones, maybe you're battling a decision right now or you're in the midst of a situation right now and and you're really tempted to believe your ways are best. Oh no, God's ways. 
God's ways are best. Secondly, finally, a heart that loves God's word understands not only God's ways are best, finally this, God's ways are inexhaustible. Look at verse 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Really? Is there anyone who meditates on the word of God day and night? Yes. Yes, it's true. In fact, I had a wonderful example. My grandfather was a pastor in Egypt, and in his older years, he came here, immigrated here to Canada, and in his final days, he, he lived with us for a long period of time. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that my grandfather meditated on the word of God day and night. He would wake up in the morning, sit at the kitchen table. His eyes were very dim. My grandmother would bring him coffee and his breakfast, and he would sit there and with his face this close to the Bible all day. Lunchtime comes, take a break, all day in the evening. Now, what an example for me. Am I like that? No. Do I want to be? Yes. What's the key? God's ways are best. God's ways are also inexhaustible. Why is the psalmist day and night meditating on God's truth when some of us read one verse and we're bored? Well, it's because his, his ways, his truth is inexhaustible. The word of God is inexhaustible. You can spend a lifetime on a couple verses of scripture. You can spend a lifetime reading the word of God and not uncover all the dimensions of its treasure. Its ways, God's ways are inexhaustible. The encouragement that comes, the instruction that comes, the hope that is there, the counsel that is provided, the power of God's word, it never runs out. Out. And some of us, perhaps, maybe in seasons of our lives, we find ourselves struggling to approach God's word. Listen, I understand that. Some of us struggle, but listen, the longer we spend time in the way of the wicked, the counsel of the wicked, and in the seat of scoffers, the more this precious and profound and powerful book becomes less interesting to us. But would you test this out this week? Find someone in the church to keep you accountable. Wake up in the morning, even if you're not a morning person. Wake up in the morning. Pull out the Bible. Get in a nice spot. Pray and ask the Lord to speak to you. And if you embrace that discipline, you will see the thanksgiving that fills your heart, the power of the word of God that fills your heart. And certainly in seasons where there are difficulties, the perspective that fills your heart as well. Try it out. On his law, he meditates day and night. Fill your life, form your thoughts in your heart, and find the fruit of your life. You will live the blessed and happy life. Do you believe me? Don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. What, what, what people on Twitter, they need to stop following because it's the way of the wicked. It's the counsel of the wicked. Who is it on Instagram that you need to just unfollow right now? Because it's the way of the wicked. It's the counsel of the wicked. 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Over the next two weeks, we're gonna unpack this even more and I'm praying for you and for me, for our family, for our church family, that our church begins to love God's word like never before and so find ourselves, regardless of what's happening around the world, to be blessed. Amen? Let's pray together. Well, Father in heaven, we, we admit that so many days come and go and we have neglected your truth. And we thank you, Lord, that today you don't condemn us. You don't shun us. You stand at the door of our hearts and you knock. And even through this message, Lord, we thank you that you give us the way of blessing. I pray, Lord, in this church, we would take the way of blessing. I pray we wouldn't view it as a legalistic, rigid ritual, but that we would understand that we have relationship in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, by the grace of Jesus Christ. That we would love you more in these days and love your truth and your word. That you would fill us, that you would shape us, that you would even change us. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today, that they would say, Lord, I need change. I need direction. I need focus. Lord, meet them here today, we pray. In Jesus' name, and would you receive all the glory as we delight ourselves in you, in our lives, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.